This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And it's a cool building, isn't it, Matt? Because well, it's a granary it's and, a gra- and a grist mill. Well, right, so, and there so you go. Part of the bar and grill, you're sitting in um, in a round, I guess, part of the granary, right? Yeah, a silo. Okay, you're sitting in a silo. Yeah, yeah it was it was a little uh, annoying. The grain was flowing, and the grist <laughs> mill was making flour or cornmeal, whatever they were making. Um, that was a little weird. Well, there was flour all in my beer and stuff, but um, yeah, we liked it anyway, though. This is the Dear Bob and Sue podcast, stories from our journey to all the U.S. national parks and other public lands. I'm Karen Smith. And I'm Matt Smith. We're the authors of the Dear Bob and Sue series of books. Today, we're taking you on an epic road trip through parts of five states and a variety of public lands, the Grand Circle Road Trip. We're headed to the Southwest, where we'll visit seven national parks in three states, plus state parks, national monuments, and Bureau of Land Management sites as well. So settle in, get comfortable, maybe grab a snack, and let's journey together on the Grand Circle Road Trip. Okay, well, before we take off on this epic road trip with our listeners, uh, we have some business to take care of. That's right. We wanted to let everyone know about our Patreon account. It's up and running. And for those of you who subscribe now, we have a few bonus episodes waiting for you. For just $5 a month, you can support our podcast so we can continue to produce new episodes, plus get some bonus content as well, episodes that are only available to our patrons. Those bonus episodes will be more informal and behind the scenes. For instance, we have one about our pet peeves when it comes to hotel rooms, one about why we remodeled our living room to look like a National Park Visitor Center, and a chat with our dear friends, Bob and Sue. I like that. Did you put that deer in on purpose? Yeah. Our dear friends. It's kind of almost like a pun. (laughs) I got it. (laughs) Now, you can find a link to our Patreon account on our website, and that's uh, com, or you can go to the Patreon app or website and search for Matt and Karen Smith. And on our Patreon page, there's an intro video that we made with more information about our Patreon account. Yeah, you can see us in action in our recording studio. And that's uh, that's where all the magic happens, right? <laughs> it, it is. Uh, but just to be clear, our bonus content is audio only, at least for now. They're audio recordings. They're not videos. 
Right. And I think it's better that way. Trust us. Uh, yeah, probably is. <laughs> There's too many weird hand gestures and facial expressions and, and just, uh, just general awkwardness. Are you talking about me? <laughs> Are you talking about... The weird hand gestures are 100% me. I'll, I'll take credit for that. Facial expressions are, are me. Okay, well, maybe that's me also. And then I'm, then I'm just, I'm the general awkwardness. Right, right. Okay, okay I got it. Yeah. All right. So let's get started with, uh, with today's episode. All right, Karen, what are we talking about today? We are talking about the Grand Circle Road Trip. And, you know, just the name alone sounds epic, doesn't it? The Grand Circle? Uh Uh-huh. I just want to do it for the name, Grand Circle Road Trip. I don't really even care where it goes. Is it a circle? (laughs) It's kind of an oblong oval. You know, actually, I think it looks more like the shape of the state of Kentucky. But it's it's not in the state of Kentucky. (laughs) Just to be clear... It's not Kentucky. It has nothing to do with Kentucky. But when you made the map and the outline, I was looking at it, and it looks a little like Kentucky. Okay. okay. Thank you for that confusing (laughs) analogy. You're welcome. It's going to be a little tough to describe this using only audio when we don't have a visual, but we will put a map up on our show notes uh, which is www.thedearbobandsuepodcast.com. So if you want to take a look at that, this all might make more sense. And by we, you mean me. That's right. <laughs> I, will dr- I will draw it and, and get it on our website. Yeah. Great. I, I like to use the collective we, though. We. Yeah. We will make a map and put it out there. Yes. All right, Karen. You know what was interesting? I've heard of the Grand Circle Road Trip for years, and I always thought that it was just one specific road trip. But when I started doing the research, I found out people have a lot of different versions of the Grand Circle road trip. There's not just one. And not to be confused with, there is a circle, National Park Circle that they used to do and promote like back in the 1920s and 30s where you would go up to you know Grand Canyon and Rocky Mountain and Glacier. We're not talking about that. Maybe that would be an, also a good episode. Yes. Right? This, yes. this is... This is the Grand Circle road trip. In the Southwest. That's right. Now, it's suggested that people take two weeks to do this. Um, We're going to talk about a lot of options of things you can do in specific areas. So it just kind of depends on what you want to do, how much time you have allotted. And also, it depends a lot on how much hiking you want to do. Because if you're a hiker, these parks that we're going to talk about have two days worth of great hikes. If you're not, if you just want to drive through and get out at the points of interest, then obviously your trip's going to go a little faster. So you'll have to take all this information and figure out um, a time schedule and an itinerary. I think it would be tough to do in less than two weeks. I do too. You know, you could, I I don't think you could do this in a week. I mean, you could do a circle and you'd hit several of these, Mm -hmm. but you'd have to, you you couldn't hit everything we're going to talk about in a week. I don't think. No, you'd have to cut some of the stuff off. So most people, when they do this Grand Circle road trip, they start in Las Vegas. And I know a lot of people don't like Las Vegas, but... I like Las Vegas. I know you do. And I kind of like it too. We usually spend the night there when we fly in and out. You wear your sequin dresses. <laughs> I, that's what I like. They, they would just walk down the street. I wear my 20252 hat and shirts and then you're in your sequin Uh dress i I like that Mm -hmm. matt the sequin dress era was over about 15 years ago Oh no, not for me (laughs) (laughs) 
We're still in the sequin dress era. There might be one buried in a back closet somewhere, but it hasn't seen the light of day since we started going to the national parks. The point being, start in Las Vegas, or you could, right? Because the flights are cheap, and and it's there's a lot of flights and. Uh, you can rent a car there to, at the airport and and do it all. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna start this route in Las Vegas. But if you really don't want to fly there, or if you have other travel, you could start in Salt Lake City or Phoenix as well, and pick up the loop from there. All right. So one of the great things about this road trip is it hits seven national parks, Karen. Yes. Did you know that? I did know that. Since you did the I, research yes, I and the outline. Out. <laughs> yeah, you hit Zion, Bryce, Capitol Reef, Canyonlands, Mesa Verde, Grand Canyon. You left yeah. out arches. And arches <laughs> as a bonus. Yes, uh-huh. you hit uh-huh. all of those. Right. Plus, we're going to talk about some state parks and some national monuments that you can add on to this. Also, some BLM land. So it's public lands of all kinds on this epic road trip. I think you could do this road trip all year round, like any any time of the year. Spring and fall are probably ideal because you could get, well, in the winter, you probably are going to get snow in, in some of these areas. And of course, in the summer, it can be really, really hot. Spring and fall would be the best time, but you could do it all year round. And one of the sections we're going to mention towards the end is visiting the north rim of the Grand Canyon. Now, that's only open from mid-May to mid-October. So if that's something you want to do, you're going to have to schedule this trip during that time. And I know a lot of you travel in the summer with your kids on summer vacation. So, And that's the only time you would have two weeks to do it. So that's great. You just have to factor in that a lot of these places are going to be hot. So we're starting in Las Vegas, and from there, I mean, you can stay in Las Vegas for a few days, win a bunch of money, <laughs> pay for your trip, parade down <laughs> the strip in your sequin dresses, and then you're going to go to Zion. However, however, before you get to Zion, if you want to add on, and we recommend this, you go to Valley of Fire State Park. Yes, that is an amazing state park. You're still in Nevada at that point. You haven't crossed over into Utah. Now, the thing is, it does get really hot in the summer, and they do close some of the more popular trails. So before you go, you know, see if the fire wave is open, because that's one of the things people want to see at Valley of Fire. Um, but if the weather is good, absolutely stop by Valley of Fire. We thought it was amazing. Yeah, we've been there a couple times. We really enjoy that state park. So we go on to Zion, which is just north of the town of Springdale, Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we prefer to stay at the Zion Lodge, which is an old historic lodge. It's great. It's, it is hard to get rooms there. Um, either you book way in advance or what we've done, sometimes you catch a cancellation right before your trip. But if you can't get a room or a cabin at the lodge, there are plenty of great places to stay in the town of Springdale. Oh, yes. Lots of hotel options. We like the Driftwood Lodge. Now, it's nothing fancy. It's usually, when you look at the prices, like if you go to a website like Expedia, it's usually on the lower end. We thought it was great. We've stayed there a couple times. Yeah, and I think there's good quality places to stay in Springdale. Like, sure. like I'm not sure that you're going to go wrong if you go to the major places or the national chains. Anyway, there's, there's a lot of places to stay in Springdale. Right. And one more thing about Zion Lodge. So if you can get a room there, 
or even better, get one of the cabins there. Those cabins have been completely redone. They have fireplaces. They're cozy and romantic. If you're, hey, if you are looking for just a weekend getaway, like a three-day weekend getaway with your partner, this would be perfect. If it, if you're in the off season, fly to Vegas, rent a car. I think Zion, we didn't mention it. Zion, I think is about two and a half hours from Vegas. Yeah, two and a half to to three hours, depending on traffic. Anyway, that's just a side note. But one of the benefits of staying in the lodge is you can drive your car into the park, which during shuttle season, no one else is allowed to do. So that's kind of an added bonus if you can get a room at Zion Lodge. Now, places to eat in Springdale. Uh, We love... Zion Pizza Noodle. I think it's pizza and noodle. We can never remember that. Pizza Noodle, because, yeah, the pizzas aren't made out of noodles. And we've never had the noodles, so we can't say if the noodles are good. But but a lot of people order the noodles, and they they look pretty good. We've seen the noodle dishes walk past us while we're eating our pizza, and they look amazing. Next time, we should just do both. Get a pizza and And a a big old (laughs) plate of noodles. You could do that. All right, make a note of that. Mm -hmm. But we've also been to the Bit and Spur. Yes. We've had great, uh, great food there. Um, stop there for a margarita or whatever, uh-huh. right? So those are two places. There could be a, a lot of other great places to eat in Springdale. Uh, we just keep going to the same places because right. that's what we do. Yes, I think there are a lot of good choices in Springdale. But you can't really go wrong there. Okay, so we got to keep moving because this is a big circle. It's a grand circle. So from Zion, then we're going to head to Bryce Canyon National Park. And again, with no traffic, that's about a two-hour drive. And when you get through the tunnel and you're going east towards Bryce Canyon, but you're still in Zion National Park, that, that drive's beautiful. You know, take your time. It could take you as long as you, you would like, because that's a very scenic drive. It's a beautiful drive. Now, ideally, if you can get a room at Bryce Canyon Lodge, or they also have cabins too, if you can get one there, that is the most perfect of all perfect worlds. If you can't, right outside the park uh, is an area called Bryce Canyon City, and there are two big hotels uh, hotels there on either side of the road. Okay, so so stop in Bryce Canyon National Park, a uh, great part of the loop, but let's keep moving on because we got a lot of places to talk about. From Bryce, you're going to go east and, well, you're going to go east-northeast up to Capitol Reef National Park on Highway 12, which is a scenic byway, but you might want to stop in Escalante. The Grand Staircase Escalante National Monument, that's managed by the Bureau of Land Management, so that's BLM land. A lot of great things to do in that area. Absolutely. Now, the town of Escalante is about two blocks long, so there isn't much there. But you don't need much in the town because, as as you said, Matt, there's so much to do. We would suggest hiking to Lower Calf Creek Falls. That's a beautiful hike. Or if you want to drive down Hole in the Rock Road, there are some great slot canyons that we've talked about before on that road, like Zebra Canyon and Spooky Canyon. So you could easily have a full day of hiking if you want to spend the night in Escalante. There's also Kodachrome Basin State Park that's not too far from Escalante. We've uh, we've driven through that a couple of times, did a short little hike. So yeah, if you're going to stay in Escalante, we have stayed several times at the Circle D Motel. Yes, uh, it's still rated the number one hotel. I guess it's a motel in Escalante. <laughs> yeah, that's a great place to stay. And there is an Outfitters in town that sells outdoor gear. But more importantly... 
It's a restaurant and it has fantastic pizza. So Escalani Outfitters, Mm -hmm. uh, we recommend eating there. Yeah, and we noticed the last time we were there that they also have cabins at Escalani Outfitters. And we thought that would be a perfect place to stay because you're right next to the shopping and the food. However, we haven't had a chance to stay there, so we uh, we can't say if that's a good place to stay or not. Okay, so we're on the part of the circle where we're going from Bryce to Capitol Reef National Park. Um, You're going through Escalante, so let's keep going up to the northeast to Torrey, Utah, which is just west of the entrance to Capitol Reef National Park. And that's where we stay. Uh, We've always stayed at the uh, Capitol Reef Resort. Used to be a Best Western years ago. It's, uh, you know, typical uh, motel rooms, great. Mm -hmm. Now, they do have... During the warmer seasons, they have teepees and Conestoga wagons, not Calistoga wagons, <laughs> which is a whole other thing. Conestoga wagons. And what we, is a Conestoga wagon, Matt? Um, it's it's a it's a wagon that um, they used to take on the Oregon Trail. Oh, okay. And you put your kids and everything you own in back, and twelve months later, you're in Oregon. <laughs> Every time we go to Capitol Reef Resort, I'm disappointed because I want to stay in one of those teepees or wagons, and they are only open during the summer season, and I think through September, but we're usually there in October or November, and so we have not yet gotten to do that, but I think that looks like a lot of fun. Okay, so we're in Capitol Reef National Park, all mm-hmm. sorts of things to do there. We have other episodes to talk about that, but do the uh, scenic drive in the park, that, that's fantastic, but let's keep going. We're going to go from Capitol Reef to Moab. We're going to go down Highway 24 and take it up to 70 mm-hmm. to get over to Moab. Again, on your way, you might want to stop at Goblin Valley State Park. Absolutely stop at Goblin Valley. You don't have to spend a lot of time there because when you go into Goblin Valley, the parking area is right above a very cool section of the goblins, these rock formations. And so you just have to take a little walk down a hill. It's very quick. And then you're, you can walk amongst these goblins and it's very charming. I love Goblin Valley. I would encourage anybody to stop for an hour and and check it out. Yeah. And if you have extra time, there's also some uh, great slot Canyon hikes close to Goblin Valley State Park, Little Wild Horse Canyon, also Bell Canyon. So anyway, we have episodes on those hikes as well. Now, we didn't mention if you're driving from Capitol Reef to Moab, it's about 145 miles. It's going to take you around two and a half hours to get there. That's without a stop at Goblin Valley. So just kind of an idea of how much time that's going to take. Now, Moab is a hub, and there is all sorts of incredible outdoor activities in and around Moab. So it it gets pretty crowded. There are a lot of places to stay there. We've stayed at the Hampton Inn, which is fine. We've kind of been last few trips. We've stayed at the Comfort Inn and Suites, and that's been great. We've also done uh, VRBOs there. Uh, There's a lot of places to stay. However, it does get busy, so you want to book ahead as far as you can. Absolutely. And we should mention, too, that there are now a lot of glamping options that are cropping up everywhere. Both Arches and Zion have um, the under canvas tent camping available, as well as some other um, outfitters who have the canvas tent situation. So if if that sounds good to you, you could Google that if you don't want to stay in a, in a traditional hotel. You could check that out throughout Utah as well. We don't have a lot of experience with the 
under canvas franchise. We did visit the one that's by Mount Rushmore, and it was it was beautiful. It was. Uh, they're kind of pricey. I'll just mm-hmm. say that. But mm-hmm. uh, anyway, that that might be something if you want to do some glamping. Check them out. Absolutely. So now, while you're in Moab, you've got a lot to do. So you're going to need a couple of days because you're going to visit Arches National Park. You're going to visit Canyonlands, the Island in the Sky District that's right there, and you absolutely should stop by Dead Horse Point State Park, which is very close to Canyonlands. Um, And if you can time it so you're at Canyonlands all day and you hit Dead Horse Point State Park for sunset, that would be perfect. Dead Horse Point State Park has some great overlooks of the, what would that be? That would be the Colorado River Valley. So in Canyonlands National Park, the Green River and Colorado River come together. So in Dead Horse Point State Park, you're, you're seeing the Colorado River Uh, And of course, those overlooks are fantastic for both sunset and sunrise. Now, a lot of you know, we have already done full-length episodes on Zion and Arches and Bryce Canyon and Capitol Reef. And we've talked about the hikes and everything there is to do, which is one of the reasons we're not going into that on this episode. We have not done a guide to Canyonlands yet, but we will. And that's going to come out either the end of October or in November sometime. Okay, so moving on from Moab, we're going to go straight south to the town of Monticello. Uh, I think that's the way you pronounce it. All the locals pronounce it Monticello. Not Monticello. Not not Monticello. (laughs) So if you go in and you ask people where the town of Monticello is, they know that you're an outsider. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's about an hour south of Moab, about 55 miles. Now, here's the thing. A lot of these uh, Grand Circle road trips, they kind of gloss over this area, but there is so much to do here that we could not just skip past it. We would recommend a night in Monticello or just a little bit further south is the town of Blanding. Uh, You could stay there as well because we're going to talk about some of the incredible things to do there. It's kind of like a little Moab in the sense that there's a lot of great things to do out of Monticello one of which is visit the Needles District of Canyonlands National Park. And we love that district. We've talked about this several times on other episodes. There's great hikes there. Yeah, that's about a 45-minute drive or so. Now, we have talked in great length about our favorite hike, which is Chesler Park Joint Trail Loop. Um, We've also done the Confluence Hike, and we have done, the last time we were there, we did the Druid Arch Hike. Um, And I don't think we've talked about that before. That is a great one. It's about 10 and a half miles round trip, 1,600 feet of elevation gain. And I would call that strenuous, wouldn't you, Matt? Yeah, it was strenuous. There were a couple of um, kind of exposed um, areas of of the trail and then a a little bit of scrambling. Uh, There was a metal ladder. It's the challenge we had is when we were there, it was snowing. So it was a little icy on the the parts where we had to do a little bit of scrambling anyway yeah. uh, it's, it's it's a great hike yeah we were there mid-march and you know mid-march is an iffy time to go because we've gone in mid-march and the weather has been 60 degrees and sunny and this last time we went it was about 40 40 degrees and then it would drop down and it would snow on us so you never know what you're going to get in march in utah also we should mention from monticello to the needles district in canyonlands you're going to drive right by Newspaper Rock, Newspaper Rock State Historical <laughs> Monument. It's a mouthful. <laughs> it is, which is an incredible uh, petroglyph panel right right off the highway. I mean, it takes literally 15 seconds to get off the highway and, and, and park. 
Definitely want to see this. I mean, it wouldn't take, but, you know, five, ten minutes. Oh, my gosh. It's one of the largest panels in the United States. It's incredible. And we would say that even if you're not a big hiker, definitely go back and see the Needles District because we'll cover this when we do our Canyonlands episode, but there are some easy hikes too, and there are some incredible views of the Needles. So there are things to do. I mean, just that drive back there alone, Matt, is one of the most scenic drives we've done. Right. So we love love that area. Keep going back often. So that's something to check out. So another thing in the area, if you have already seen the Needles District or you don't want to or you want to spend two days there, another thing we would suggest is hiking to the House on Fire Ruins in Bears Ears. I don't know that we've ever talked about this. That was an amazing ruin to see. Right. Now, this is a a different highway than going to Canyonlands Needles District. This is south of Monticello, actually a little bit south of Blanding. It's Highway 95. So... From this highway, you're going to go west on 95, and that takes you into Bears Ears um, to the area that you would get off the highway and and park and and hike to the House of Fire. Uh, That's super cool. And, of course, if you just keep going a little bit further, you're at uh, Natural Bridges National Monument, which is also a fantastic place to visit. Oh, my gosh. All of these places are amazing. And, again, another scenic drive. So if you want to go to House on Fire Ruins – Google it, and you will get all kinds of specific driving um, directions. But from Monticello, it's about a 50-minute drive. And then this uh, Natural Bridges National Monument is just a little bit further. So you could easily do both and then go back to Monticello for the night. But I just want to mention, too, that the House on Fire hike is about two miles round trip. It's easy. And um, if you want to continue on in the canyon there are many more ruins further down the canyon. Yeah, one, one note about that hike. It's along a creek, and in wet seasons or if it's rained recently, that could be muddy. So just, just FYI. Right. But this house on fire ruins is cool because, um, again, when you Google it, you can see photos of it. But it's a it's a ruin that's nestled into the cliff face. But then the rock that's protruding from the top looks like flames shooting out of the top of the ruin. That's why they call it house on fire. And it really is remarkable to see. Yeah, that's a beautiful uh, ruin to see and and not a very uh, long hike to get there. And When we were there, I think we saw just a few other people. So it's not as well known as some of these other places. Right. And in Monticello, we like to stay at the Inn at the Canyons Hotel. And we found a new restaurant a couple of years ago. It's called the Greenery Bar and Grill. And we really like that one. It's Now, it's part of the Grist Mill Inn, which is a bed and breakfast. So it's a little confusing, the entrance. Make sure if you go that you go around the back part. That's where the bar and grill is. And it's a cool building, isn't it, Matt? Because Well, it's a granary and and a grist mill. Well, right. And so part of the bar and grill, you're sitting in, um, in a round, I guess, part of the granary, right? Yeah, a silo. Okay, you're sitting in a silo. Yeah, yeah it was it was a little uh, annoying. The grain was flowing, and the grist mill was <laughs> making flour or cornmeal, whatever they were making. Um, that was a little weird. Well, there was flour all in my beer and stuff, but um, yeah, we liked it anyway, though. <laughs> we liked it a lot. So if you're there, check it out. So continuing on the loop now from Monticello, you're gonna go southeast to Mesa Verde National Park. 
And I know it sounds like we're going to skip a whole bunch of stuff in southeastern Utah. We'll, we'll kind of come back around to that. But from Monticello, we go to the little town of Cortez uh, in southwestern Colorado. And Mesa Verde National Park is right there. And it's only an hour and a half from Monticello to up to the Farview Lodge inside the park, which I was kind of shocked when I heard that because we have been in Monticello many times and it just never occurred to me to cross over into Colorado and to go to Mesa Verde, which we love. It's one of my favorite national parks. Yeah, we'll have to do that again next time we're in Monticello. Absolutely. Now, the thing is, if you want to do this, you definitely want to plan ahead and get your tour tickets online well in advance because they sell out. And if you haven't been to Mesa Verde before, most of these cliff ruins you can only see on a ranger-led guided tour. You cannot see them on your own. So definitely get online and get your tickets ahead of time so you won't be disappointed. Right. And when we say most, we mean like like almost everyone. I mean, we've been there at times where there's only one place you could go, not on a ranger-led tour. Right. And we would suggest, um, number one, my favorite was Balcony House. Now, you do have to be willing to climb a rather tall ladder on that one. Um, it's, you know, it might be a little frightening for some people. There's also Cliff Palace and there is Longhouse. Three fantastic ones. You could do them all in one day if you schedule them correctly. Yeah, they offer these tours multiple times during the day. So when you buy your tickets in advance, you'll have lots of options. Yep. One more thing we wanted to mention. When you're driving from Monticello to Mesa Verde, you can take a short detour and see some of Hovenweep National Monument. Now, the park has several different sites of ancestral Puebloan villages spread out in the area, but we're talking about the main one where the visitor center is. Right. If you go to the Hovenweep Visitor Center, you can hike the Square Tower Loop right from the back door of the Visitor Center. This is about a two-mile round-trip loop, so it wouldn't take you very long to do. Now, it is over some kind of rough ground. You have to go down into the canyon and back up um, at the end of this loop. But what I loved about it is, well, first of all, I think in November we were the only people there, but... You are walking right by these um, these ruins that are they're not nestled into the cliff. They are there's just they're standing like fr- there, freestanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's Hovenweep Castle, which actually resembles a castle. Um, so we thought it was amazing. So if you right. have time, depending on your schedule, definitely take a detour over to Hovenweep and check that out. Yeah, and and look at their website if you go because. You're going to have to go off on some small roads to get over to Hovenweep and back so that it's it's a little bit of extra travel, but absolutely worth it. Yeah, it's not right on the road. You do have to take a little detour for that one. This episode is brought to you in part by Rumple, introducing the world to better blankets. When we first partnered with Rumple, we were excited about their National Park collection of blankets. And since then, they've continued to expand their line. Now they offer blankets featuring NFL and college team logos, blankets with designs created by artists, and even a Nanoloft flame blanket that's fire-resistant for when you're hanging around a campfire or a fire pit. 
Rumpel is the best outdoor blanket in terms of comfort and warmth, but what's really important to us is that their core line of blankets uses 100% post-consumer recycled materials, and they recycle over 5 million discarded plastic bottles through their supply chain every year. They're also a proud member of 1% for the Planet, which means they donate 1% of all revenue to environmental nonprofits. So check out all their blankets and other products on their website at www.rumpel.com. That's R-U-M-P-L. Okay, so now let's say we are finished with the fantastic tours at Mesa Verde. Did we talk about where to stay? We, I, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't think we did. Well, let's, uh, t- let's go ahead and mention it. Yeah. Well, we stay at the Far View Lodge. So the Far View Lodge is in the park. That's a great place to stay because you have a very far view mm-hmm. <laughs> of the landscape up there. Yes, great views, great location. And they remodeled the rooms at some point, and they're absolutely beautiful. The restaurant is great. And what I love is being in the park at the end of the day, you know, instead of leaving, because Mesa Verde sits up on a plateau and you have to drive all the way down if you're staying in Cortez, which would be the closest town to stay in if you can't get rooms at Farview Lodge. But we've stayed in Farview Lodge a few times and we always go for a drive along the roads at night and the, you know, with the sun setting, it's beautiful. And there are a few little trails you can do on your own. So if you can stay in the park, that's a huge bonus. In Mesa Verde, you can't just walk anywhere in the park. So if you're wandering around, make sure it's at an official lookout or trail. Right, right. Okay, so from Mesa Verde National Park, about, what, 50 miles away is Four Corners. So that's southwest of Mesa Verde National Park. And this is the corner of Utah, Colorado, New Mexico, and Arizona. They all come together at one spot. And uh, there's a little tribal park there that uh, you go stand in all four states at once. Yeah, this is a Navajo tribal park. It does cost money to get in. I believe it's $8 per person currently. Now, you know, if you've already done this, then you you probably aren't going to go back and do it again. But it is kind of a cool thing to be standing at the four corners. I mean, I, I kind of think everybody should go and check this out, don't you think? It's a fun picture. Yeah, it's a fun picture. Um, they also have a vendor market there where you can buy native artwork directly from the artists. So I think it's worth a stop. And along this route, you'll practically be going right by it. Okay, so from four corners, we're going to go back up northwest to the town of bluff utah Mm -hmm. and that's about an hour away about an hour we've stayed there uh several times there's a couple of great places to stay in bluff i mean it's bluff is a postage stamp sized town Uh, a couple of great places to eat a couple of great places to stay absolutely and if you are spending a morning at mesa verde let's say and you're not leaving mesa verde until you know mid-afternoon and then you're going to drive down to four corners and see that maybe you're not getting to bluff until late afternoon and that is a great place to stay but if you're not staying there you're going to continue on highway 163 from bluff now you're heading west and you're going to drive through the valley of the gods or as we call it the poor man's monument valley (laughs) we heard it called that once and 
I disagree. I mean, I think it's uh, stunning in its own right. I don't yeah. think it's a poor man's anything. No, it's it's just different. It's, it really shouldn't be compared to Monument Valley because the landscape's a little bit different and the drive's different. So Valley of the Gods uh, is something you definitely want to drive through. Now, it is a gravel road, and I would say if if it has rained recently or is raining, then you, you might want to make sure that you have the kind of vehicle, you know, high clearance vehicle and maybe a, an SUV to get through there. Otherwise, I think pretty much any vehicle, street legal vehicle can do that road. I would agree. Now it's 17 miles. It's not a loop. It, it takes you out onto highway 261. It does not come back to 163. And I do want to say when you turn off of 163, you're going to cross over a wash and Hopefully it's a dry wash, but if there's water coming through that wash, that would be your signal there to turn around and not try it because right. that means that, you know, there's been rain. So that's kind of your, uh, your signal as to should you proceed or not. But if that happens, you can drive around, keep going down the highway, turn uh, right on 261. Mm-hmm. You could go in the back way of Valley of the Gods, do it all. And then come back out the same way, because I don't think there's a wash on that backside. That's true. So it's longer, but right. you could do that. If you really want to see it. Yeah. Now, on 261, at the either the entrance or the exit of Valley of the Gods, whichever direction you're going, you're also very close to Goosenecks State Park. And that is a very cool state park to stop at. The last time we were there, it cost $5 to get in, and it's worth it, because you simply drive to the Overlook, you park and you get out, and you walk over and you see this incredible view. Right, so Gooseneck is a area of a river called a, what an entrenched meander where uh, the river curves kind of almost all the way back onto itself and from above looking down it, they look like goosenecks right and there this is a rare spot because you can see two of them from this overlook and yeah it's a it's a great place to stop and if you're just going to do that i mean this is a 20 minute stop Right. It's very quick. And so from there, if you want to continue on 261 for a little bit more fun, <laughs> you could drive the Mokey Dugway switchbacks. <laughs> I love the Mokey Dugway. Again, I uh, probably only do it when it's dry, but if it's dry, any street legal vehicle could, could do it. Um, we've seen all sorts of vehicles on that. It's uh, pretty much a roadway cut into the side of a cliff. They call it a dugway because they dug a road right into the side of the cliff that gets you from down below where the Valley of the Gods is up onto uh, Cedar Mesa. Right. Now, this road is unpaved. The Moki Dugway section is three miles, and it's 11% grade. And I think what freaks a lot of people out is there are no guardrails. So when you're on in that outside lane, you are you know looking straight down. But I will say the views are incredible. And if that doesn't, that kind of thing doesn't freak you out, it'd be worth it to drive to the top because what else is up there, Matt? So if you keep going above Moki Dugway, just a little bit further, there's Muley Point. Mm-hmm. And you have to take a gravel road kind of to get to that. And that has inc- incredible views of the San Juan River. And at that 
point, it's part of Glen Canyon National Recreation Area. Right. The road that you're taking back to the point is five miles long. Get out, look at the views. You're actually looking down at Gooseneck State Park at this point also. But I mean, you can literally see for miles and miles. So it's it's definitely worth it if, if you're headed up Moki Dugway. And then after that, you're going to turn around and you're going to drive back to 163 and start heading west towards Monument Valley. So on your way to Monument Valley, you go through the little town of Mexican Hat and right past that is an interesting spot in the highway. Um, You'll know you're there because there will be people parked along the side of the road, probably women in, in ball gowns standing in the highway, even though cars are coming by 60 miles an hour. Uh, we've seen people laying down on the highway, also riding their skateboards on the highway, because this is the spot in the movie Forrest Gump. So it's a famous spot where he's jogging and he decides to stop and stop jogging and it's time for him to go home. So it's it's a, an iconic It's called the Forrest Gump Spot. It is a very cool view because you have this long section of road in front of you, and then you have these towers of Monument Valley in the distance. And so it's a very scenic spot. And yes, people, including us, have gone into the middle of the road to snap a photo. (laughs) So we are guilty. Although there's, in our case, there's no ball gown, there's no skateboard, there's no handstands, no yoga poses, none of that. We, We run out, snap a photo, and run back to our car. I might do a yoga pose next time we go go by there yeah no i'm not criticizing those people i'm just saying you got to be careful because it's a highway it's a highway and cars are coming by so if you decide to lay down in the middle of the road to get your photo you might want to watch for traffic because it's kind of kind of a busy highway Definitely. So at this point, you are now you're heading towards the Monument Valley Tribal Park. And this is a turnoff off of the highway. This is sort of a special section in Monument Valley, if you will, you do have to pay to enter. Um, But inside the tribal park, there is a really nice visitor center, um, sells all kinds of uh, Native American crafts and jewelry. And what else, Matt? There's a there's a little cafe, right? There is a loop that you can drive. It's a 17 mile dirt road. Now, I will say the last time we tried to do that, and it's been a few years, the road was in really rough shape. Yeah, it it was rough. Uh, It is interesting to go back there. If you have the time to drive that road, it's it's gonna shake you up because the mm-hmm. the road road is bumpy. If you're just in the park to get a, a few photos and then you're moving on on your grand loop tour, the patio of that visitor center I think is one of the best places in the park to to get photos. I agree because you you see the the mittens. So there's the west mitten and the east mitten. Those are towers, and then you see a lot of others in the distance too. So it is stunning. And if you want to do a hike in Monument Valley, there is only one hike that you can do without an authorized Navajo guide, and that is the Wildcat Trail, which is also inside the tribal park. Yeah, it's about a four-mile loop. It goes around one of the mittens. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's great because you're literally, you know, circumnavigating the mitten, and you see it from from all different angles. What we mean by a mitten is they have these massive buttes in Monument Valley that have little broken off areas to one side. And from a distance, it looks like a mitten. Yeah. Um, And so there's East Mitten, West Mitten. Uh, We've done that. If you're going to hike that trail, 
There is a sign-up sheet right at the trailhead. You do need to sign up because one time we didn't see the sign-up sheet and we went and then... We got uh, yelled at. We got yelled at. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because the first time we did it years ago, there was no sign-up sheet. So we didn't even see it sitting there. And so, yeah, there is a sign-up. They want you to sign in and sign out on that. Now... There are not a lot of lodging options in this area. Inside the Tribal Park, there is the View Hotel, and I would love to stay there. We never have. Yeah, all the rooms on the backside of that lodge uh, have views of Monument Valley, so that would be great. Uh, I think those are sunrise views. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we should do that sometime. There are also some cabins right, in, right. in the park. Mm-hmm. And we've heard good things from people who have stayed there. Um, Now, right outside the Navajo Tribal Park is another place called Goulding's Lodge. That's that's been there for decades. That's very historic, and we've heard good things about that as well. Yeah, and then uh, the town of Cayenta, which is south of uh, Monument Valley, not not too far, I don't know, half an hour, 45 minutes. It has, uh, well, I know at least it has a Hampton Inn. It might have some other national chains. So that's another place you could stay. Yeah, we have stayed there several times. So um, that's an option too. Now, if you can't stay in any of those places or you want to keep going, our next stop is going to be Page, the town of Page. And that's about two hours from the Monument Valley Tribal Park. So you got a little bit of a drive to Page from there. Between Cayenta and Page is another national monument called Navajo National Monument. It's a National Park Service site located on Navajo land. Yes, the Hopi, the Southern Paiute, the Zuni, and Navajo tribes inhabited these canyons for centuries, and now some of their cliff dwellings still remain. So during the summer season, and this was pre-COVID, there were ranger-led tours of these cliff dwellings, but they have been temporarily suspended. So before you go, make sure you check the website and see if these tours are being offered. Yeah, the, the park is open, and there are a few short trails that you can do on your own, just not to the cliff ruins. Okay, so back to Page. Page has a lot of hotel options. Yes. Um, years ago, it didn't, but uh, the national chains have built there. There's plenty of places to stay there. And that's also becoming a little bit like a Moab where there's all sorts of interesting things to do outdoors right around Page. So that's becoming popular as well. And we would recommend that you plan for at least one full day in Page because... Um, you've got the beautiful Antelope Canyons to visit, and you could do upper and lower Antelope Canyon tours in the same day. Yeah, those uh, sell out, uh, and they're somewhat limited, so you want to buy your tickets in advance. Also, not very far at all, like minutes from the Antelope Canyon tours is Horseshoe Bend, right off the highway. There's a big new parking lot where you pay the city of Pegs $10 to park, and then you walk about a half a mile from there to the Overlook. And at the Overlook, you look at Horseshoe Bend, which is part of Glen Canyon National Recreation Area. Right. And you're looking down at the Colorado River as it bends around, um, as the river bends around what? I don't know what it bends around. A piece of land. A gooseneck. <laughs> it's a gooseneck. It's a Sorry. gooseneck. It's, a, it's an entrenched meander. It's is an it entrenched meander? It is an entrenched meander. There you go. Okay. So you got that going for you. Yeah. I can't remember if we've talked about Horseshoe Bend before, but it's a spectacle is what it is. It's like a circus, but I think everyone should see it 
for the view and just to kind of see what this experience is like, because there will be a hundred, maybe 200 other people there. There will be some in costume. They will be hanging off the edges. Um, it, it's uh, it's something to see. <laughs> yeah, it is. It has a festival feel without the, the funnel cake. Yeah. So our recommendation there, if you have the option, is to see it at sunrise or sunset. Yes. Um, because during the middle of the day, you know, first of all, it, it, it's going to be very warm. Second, it's not great for photographs because the sun kind of washes out uh, the shadows and, and uh, it's great for both sunset and sunrise. Yes. So that's That's Paige. our recommendation. That's Paige. Oh, also food, which is always very important to us. Uh, you know, we always for years and years have gone to Fiesta Mexicana, one of our favorite Mexican restaurants. I know, Matt, you always talk I about. I know. I love, I love going there. <laughs> the minute we walk in the door, they have our menus in hand and are walking us to our table. We, we've they, never even paused for a second. They hear, they hear the car doors <laughs> shut they and do. they grab menus. We never broke stride from entering the front door to the hostess table, to our table. I mean, fantastic service, gr- great food. Yes, and the other thing too is, I think this is also what you love, fishbowl-sized margaritas and they send Along with, the, they bring you this giant margarita that's in a fishbowl. And then there's a shot of, um, what is that, Matt? Is it the... Uh, well, it depends on which one you order. I think like Grand Marnier is, mm-hmm. is one of the... Yeah. So, you you know, I don't think you're supposed to shoot it. I think you're supposed to pour it in the margarita, which is what we do and mix it up. But it's kind of, it's kind of fancy. It's kind of it's, special. It's fancy. It's as fancy as we get. No. On our grand on our grand circle road trip, it's, it's, it doesn't take much to impress us. Yes, the Mexicana, yeah. huge margaritas, and we're happy. Yeah, we're very happy. How, however, it's not the only place we've eaten. We've eaten at Big John's Texas Barbecue, and that's fantastic. And, and that's only what a couple blocks from the um, Fiesta Mexicana. Yes, that was fantastic. And we didn't realize that they had this huge outdoor area. And they also, the night we were there, they had an amazing band playing. So we're sitting outside drinking cold beer, eating barbecue, and this incredible band is playing. I mean, it was a fantastic night. Yeah, that was a beautiful September night. Cool temperatures, outside seating, barbecue, band. It was, that was really special. It was. All right, so here's where... We're going to give a couple of options. Now, many of the Grand Circle maps from from Page, they take people to Grand Canyon's South Rim area. And if you haven't been there before, then this is a great option. So, you know, you're taking Highway 89 down from Page, and you would enter the park on Highway 64, and you go in through the east entrance. Right, and we've done that. That's uh, great right there. When you turn off onto Highway 64, there's the Cameron Trading Post, which you got to stop at. If it's lunchtime for you, the Indian fry bread there is fantastic. A lot of great, um, I mean, it, there's shashkis, but there's also some really interesting uh, Native American art in there. Mm-hmm. But that Highway 64 that goes into the park, once you get into the park, it has a lot of overlooks on the South Rim, which are all great to stop at and, and see the Grand Canyon. And of course, then it goes to uh, South Rim Village, which is like a small city. One of those overlooks that is not to be missed is the Desert View Watchtower. That's a fantastic stop. It's one of the only places along the South Rim where you can actually look down and see the Colorado River. Right. 
So the lodging options inside the park. If you're going to go to the South Rim? Yeah. Oh, well, so. um, lodging options. on the, In the South Rim Village, there's several lodges. You've got El Tovar. You've got the Thunderbird. you got Bright Angel Lodge, um, Yavapai Lodge. Uh, there's camping there. There's spots for RVs. So there, there are quite a few lodges right there on the South Rim. Right. And if this is your option and, you know, you decide how much time you want to spend on the South Rim, from that point then to finish your Grand Circle Tour, you would go back to Vegas via Kingman and it is about a four-hour drive. So back to Vegas, back to your flight and home, and there's your Grand Circle Tour. However, there is another way you could do the loop, which is go to the North Rim of the Grand Canyon instead of the South Rim. Right. So if you're going to the North Rim, it's about a two-hour drive from Page. But as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, the Park Road, which is Highway 67 that would take you to the North Rim, is only open from May 15th until December 1st, unless it starts snowing before then, in which case they'll just close the road whenever it starts snowing. And just so you know that the Lodge and the visitor center and, and all the services on the rim close on October 15th. So it's kind of a small window to visit. It is, and it is likely that there will be snow by mid-October on. And that road, there's really nothing else on that road until you get to the North Rim. So you're kind of out there on your own. So be super careful if it's snowy and the, the roads are treacherous. That's right. So we're going to come back to that in a minute. But I wanted to mention on the way to the North Rim is a very cool thing to see. I don't think we've ever talked about this before. And it's the Navajo Bridge that crosses over the Colorado River. And it's about 467 feet above the river. There's now two bridges, two Navajo bridges. One's uh, for cars and, and another one's now for pedestrian only. Right. And the bridge itself is in Glen Canyon National Recreation Area, and you have Navajo land to the side of it. Uh, do you know what it's time for, Matt? Well, according to the outline here, I think it's time for me to take a coffee break. <laughs> no, no, you don't want to miss this. This is going to be a really good history channel. Okay, great. I'm excited now. <laughs> okay. And you know what I was? What just popped into my mind? I think maybe we need like special history channel music to announce it. What do you okay, think? I will look for special okay. history channel music. Okay. Okay, so we haven't done History Channel in a while, and I'm excited about this, especially when it comes to the Navajo Bridge, because it's a great story. In the 1870s, pioneers in Utah started expanding into northern Arizona, but there were 600 miles of deep canyons along the Colorado River that blocked their way. So the only place a wagon could reach the river from the north and the south was at the mouth of Glen Canyon. So a ferry was established there in 1873, and that was called Lee's Ferry. It, the area is still called Lee's Ferry after John D. Lee, who was the first ferry boatman. And then by the 1920s, automobiles had to start using the ferry as well to cross over. Yeah, Lee's Ferry is where now the raft trips and the boat trips that go down the Colorado River through the Grand Canyon, that's where they put in. Exactly, because you can you can drive there, you can drive big trucks with the rafts there. In fact, if anyone wants to visit that area, there is a great hike or two that's down there as well. Yeah, we've never done those, but that's also kind of in your 
wish bucket that we should do some of those hikes when we're down there next. Right. Okay. But I still have more history. <laughs> okay. So we have the ferry now. People are crossing the river via the ferry. But at this point, the locals realized that they needed to build a bridge. So they selected a site that was five miles downriver at Marble Canyon, and they began construction in 1927. So by 1929, the bridge was open to traffic, and at first, it was called the Grand Canyon Bridge, but five years later, the name was changed to Navajo Bridge. Okay, so you have the Navajo Bridge, and it's working great for cars and trucks for 66 years. However, the bridge was only 18 feet wide, and it had a 40-ton weight limit, and as trucks became larger and wider and heavier, it became apparent that a new bridge was needed. So construction began in 19. 93. And what's interesting about this, Matt, and, and greatly appreciated by us, is that they had to make sure that no rocks fell into the river because of all the river rafters floating underneath the bridge. Yeah, you'd want to go past that construction site pretty quick if you were floating the Colorado. <laughs> you would. So they strung a net under the bridge to catch all the falling debris. I would still be nervous about that. Yeah, no, I'm I'm worried when we float underneath there that people are spitting on us. I am but, too. But... <laughs> But I digress. Okay. Two years later, the bridge was finished and traffic was diverted. So now there is a modern Navajo bridge and a historic Navajo bridge. There's parking on both sides of the bridge where you can stop and get out and walk across the historic bridge. And there are some amazing views from up there. There are. In fact, I got some great photographs from the pedestrian bridge of the new bridge. Yes. It's just a kind of a scenic area there with the river in the background. So, yeah, definitely stop if you have time. Walk across the pedestrian bridge because it's, I think, it, and then spit on no. The, no. the rafts that are going down. And, and it won't reach there because no. it's like 500 feet above the river. And it'll evaporate. So, on the west side, there is a Navajo Bridge Interpretive Center and bookstore. And on the east side, the Navajo Nation side, you'll find Native American craft vendors. And this is also a great spot to see California condors. I know you like the condors, don't you? Yes. You're, you're kind of a condor fan. I am. And we have seen those before from the river while we were river rafting underneath there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this is on the way to the North Rim. But if you are driving to the South Rim of the Grand Canyon on 89, you can take a little detour to see this. It's Highway 89A. It's about a 15-minute detour off of 89. You know, that's to get there and 15 minutes back. But I think it would be well worth it, don't you? Yeah, yeah. And then you go back to 89 and head south towards, towards right. the south rim. Right. Yeah. Okay, so Matt. Yes. Now it is time for a pop quiz. And I see, I, and I noticed that you didn't put the pop <laughs> quiz on the outline. I didn't so because I, I knew you'd start reading about the Navajo Bridge to learn look everything up the you answer. Could. All right, fine. Here okay, we go. Here Let's we go. See what you got. Okay. When they dedicated the first bridge in June of 1929, it was a huge event. Nearly 7,000 people in 1,200 automobiles showed up for the celebration. I know you were there. Hey, hey. Speeches were given by the governors of Arizona, New Mexico, and Utah, and there were bands and choral groups and Native American dancers. They also said that airplanes flew under the bridge, which Ooh. would have been pretty cool to see. Yeah. Anyway, here's the question. Yeah. You know how a new ship is christened with a bottle of champagne? Yeah. Okay. What was the Navajo Bridge christened with? What was it christened with? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe 
it wouldn't be appropriate to have alcohol since it was on Navajo land? Did they christen it with, I don't know, a, a bottle of milk? You're kind of on the right track. It wasn't appropriate to have a bottle of champagne because it was prohibition. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah that, <laughs> so, that, that makes sense. Yes. So uh, a Coca-Cola? Uh, no, a bottle of ginger ale. Ginger ale? Okay, mm-hmm. so I'm cl- I was close. You were, you were on the right track. Milk would be messier. Yes, yeah. and, and stickier. Yeah. yeah, okay. So there you have it. Great. Mm-hmm. So um, I, have a, I have a quiz for you. <laughs> no, we're done. We have to move on. Oh, look at the time. Oh, look at the time. <laughs> I'm going to start preparing my own quizzes for you. <laughs> okay, so one more thing about the North Rim. If you're going there, you really want to try to stay at the North Rim Lodge. The cabins they have there right on the rim are amazing. Again, they're only open May 15th through October 15th. But if you can't um, stay there, I think it's still worth a drive back because there are some other things you can do back there. Yeah, you could hike uh, the Bright Angel Point Trail. It's about just half mile round trip. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I think you you pick that up right from the lodge and and, and go in the lodge to, yes. to see it. It's a historic mm-hmm. lodge and it's beautiful views up there. It, it's got a very different feel than the South Rim. Very uh, different feel. You know, more rustic, uh, n- not as built up. Uh, so yeah, it, it's worth seeing even if you're not staying there. It is for sure. And they have a nice visitor center. There are other hiking trails if you want to go spend the day. We talked about some of them on our um, Grand Canyon podcast episode. So I think just to see a different side of the uh, Grand Canyon, it's worth this trip to the North Rim. Also, when you're driving from the North Rim north, you might see bison. Oh, that's right. Because there are some bison mm-hmm. in the uh, National Park. I think they're they're not native, so the park, uh, I don't think they're super happy with them being there. They're doing some studies to see how the bison are affecting uh, the vegetation in the area. But anyway, that's... We've seen the bison there along that road. We have. Yeah, they don't celebrate their bison <laughs> as much as some of the other parks do. We asked a ranger about it, and he wasn't um, wasn't very forthcoming with information about where we could see them. But as it turned out, they were pretty close to the side of the road on right. our way back out. We had some, we had some mm-hmm. bison sightings. Right. Now, if you can't get a room at the lodge, um, about an hour, and this is an hour north of the North Rim, is the Jacob Lake Inn, and that gets good reviews. We have not stayed there yet, but we drove through it to take a look at it. It looks really cute. More importantly, people keep telling us about the cookies that they sell at Jacob Blake Inn. (laughs) The cookies. Everyone talks about the cookies. I looked on their website. um, This bakery also sells brownies and muffins and pies and bread, but I cannot believe that we have not stopped there. Put that in the wish bucket, Karen. <laughs> well, we're going to be there in a few weeks. So oh, yeah. yeah we, <laughs> we will stock up and we'll let everybody know how those are. Okay. But if you're not going to stay at the inn at Jacob Lake, uh, you could continue north to the small town of Kanab. Yes. And, and that has a, a lot of places to stay there. Yeah. So from the north rim, it's going to be about a 90-minute drive. Uh, yeah. Kanab, lots of hotel choices, lots of chains there. And Kanab is definitely worth spending at least a day if you have the time we've stayed there many times and and a lot of great things to do in and around the area one of which is buckskin gulch now buckskin gulch the turnoff from the highway that you take to go to wire pass which is how we get to buckskin gulch it's about halfway between page arizona and Kanab. right it's not in Kanab. so you Mm -hmm. could stay at either page or or Kanab to right to, to do buckskin gulch 
Yeah, there are a lot of cool things to do in that area. So by Buckskin Gulch, you also have the wave, which, you know, you have to get a permit and that's very difficult to do. But if you could score a permit to the wave, that would be amazing. If you can't, another thing that people do, we have not done this yet, but it's in my bucket, is get a guide. There are outfitters in Kanab to take you to White Pocket. And that is also over in that same general area. But a lot of back roads, um, a lot of areas that don't have roads. So I've always wanted to explore that area. And one of these days, we're just going to have to do it. Yeah, so that's in the bucket. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Kanab, you could stay an extra day, maybe even two days if you wanted to do all of that. If you're in Kanab, whether you're spending the night or you're just passing through and it's dinner time, we recommend Escobar's Mexican Restaurant. We've mm. eaten there several times. Great, great food. Yes, that's probably our favorite restaurant in Kanab. It's fantastic. Yeah, so from Kanab, you're on your way back to Las Vegas. You drive up again through Springdale, Utah, and St. George, Utah, and, and back uh, down Highway 15 or Interstate 15 to Las Vegas. Right. Now, if you want to, you can bypass Zion and Springdale. You don't have to go through that on your way back to Vegas. You can go south from Kanab and get on Highway 389 to St. George. But if you've got the time, why not drive through Zion again? Because you're coming down through that Mount Carmel Tunnel in the opposite direction that you went before. And the views are amazing. That's a good point because doing that drive, that Mount Carmel Tunnel drive, the views are very different depending on which way you go. And it's worth doing it both ways. Right. And just one more mention too, there is a great little hike in Zion that a lot of people don't do because it's at the it's at the top of the tunnel after you pass through and you're heading east, right? right. Yep. So it's called the Canyon Overlook Trail and it's only a mile round trip, but it has one of the best views in all of Zion National Park. Uh, But the parking lot fills up very quickly, and it's much easier to access the parking lot if you're coming from the east to west rather than west to east. And and there are official parking areas, um, but there are not many. Uh, There are not many spots. Mm -hmm. And, And it's not a long hike, and so people are doing this trail and they're coming and going all the time. So you kind of, you could hang around for a few minutes and probably catch somebody leaving and get their spot. So yeah, drive back through beautiful um, Zion and trace, trace your steps back to Vegas to fly home. And that is the Grand Circle Road Trip. And you can tell by our description of it, there's lots of ways for you to customize it you know, to your own liking and side trips you can take that we haven't even talked about. But the loop itself, it's its just a great route to go and do all the incredible outdoor activities that are in and around that loop. As it is with all road trips, one of the very best things about this is it isn't necessarily any of these destinations along the way that we've pointed out. It's all the small moments along the way, right? It's yeah, the, absolutely. It's the little restaurants you discover and the little mom and pop shops and, and maybe and maybe some of the guides you have on these tours. I think it's all these little moments that add up into a great big epic road trip. Yeah, I agree. All right, and thanks to all of you for coming along with us on this epic road trip. We have a lot of great episodes planned for this fall. An overview of the Florida parks, the Oregon Trail, Canyonlands, 
and our experience hiking rim to rim in the Grand Canyon. Of course, those are all separate episodes. That would be kind of an odd episode, all of, all four of those things together. Well, it would be very long. <laughs> yes, it would be. So those would be four separate episodes. Right. Plus, we'll have other episodes, uh, a fun Halloween one. We'll have our annual gift guide and, of course, our monthly mailbag episodes. So hopefully we'll see you all over on our Patreon account or on our social media channels. You can find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, all at Matt and Karen Smith. We'll be right back.